Terry Crosby. Andy Steiger. Steve Kim. Welcome to the AC Podcast. On this podcast, we want to help you understand and speak the language of our culture and address questions being asked with intellectual honesty, gentleness, and respect. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for joining us again this week. It seems like we haven't been together for a while, so it's special that's today. That's because we have. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, today, today's an interesting day. Mm-hmm. Yes, because the world is experiencing the grip of this pandemic called COVID nineteen. You know, people are going to listen to this podcast a year or two from now and be like. COVID what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe. Maybe, maybe they won't, but, but they'll be like. Or we'll still be in it. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> Always the optimist, And most Terry. of the population yeah. of the world is gone. I yeah. know, right? But we are still on. We, we are still here. We're not going to stop. <coughs> <Nope>. <laughs> Sorry. Terry? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> speaking of Terry. Speaking of Terry, I was listening to a dear listener of the show. They said, listen, I was listening to the podcast the other day. Take it easy. And Terry reminded me of a cartoon character. Oh, boy. And I thought, well, that makes sense. And then she said, a cartoon character from the 70s. And I said, well, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're going way back. (laughs) There's a lot going on there. Yes, okay. This cartoon character from the 70s. From the 70s. Uh, That's even being gracious, Terry. Uh, was uh, is a dog? Just get thrown out. Come on, come on! Is <laughs> a dog, but this dog has a distinctive laugh. And she said, "Listen, Terry has this dog laugh from the seventies." And I looked. Now this dog's name is Mutley, and I'm gonna. Oh, play, it just gets better. And I'm gonna play a clip for you, listeners. You tell me, is this Terry or not? <laughs> That's very wheezy. Come on. I'm going to play it again. (laughs) I hear it. Maybe the beginning of my laugh has a little bit of wheeze. No, I think. I don't think it lasts through the whole thing. Come on. I think she nailed it. Okay. (laughs) Here's the funny part. Now, this is a true story. This lady attends our church. She's never met Terry. She didn't know what Terry looked like, but she's coming around a corner and she heard Terry laughing at church. We were in the kitchen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that laugh. And she looks up at me. She's like, you're Terry, aren't you? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. And who are you? Oh, you're uh, the dear listener. Yeah. And Terry's a very old dog with an easy laugh. <laughs> Muttley. Muttley. <laughs> anyway, moving uh, on. That's good. That was a great start, man. Thank that was you. a great start. I was going to add some uh, comedy in here, too. Well, not so much comedy, but deep thoughts. All right. Deep thoughts. And we always have these. All of us, I think we do. And they're called shower thoughts. Mm. If you <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Shower is where I've had Shower many, many a good thought. Okay, I saw these on the internet. One says, maybe superheroes wear capes to hide the zipper on the back of their onesies. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, point. Noah must have really trusted the two termites <laughs> that were on the ark. <laughs> <laughs> Teachers are the most famous, non-famous people you'll know. Think about it. 
If you've ever been a teacher for 10 years, there's a high chance that thousands of people know you. Right? Mm, yeah. Right? The oceans are only water-filled valleys, and we are all living on the mountains. Good point. Mm. Good point. Yeah. Yes. If we all made the first 90% of the toothpaste tube last as long as the last 10%, we would collapse <laughs> the toothpaste industry in a month. <laughs> <laughs> Shower thoughts. There you go. I'm sure you, everybody's had a few of those. Deep thoughts with Terry. Yes, yes. All right. We're going to move on. And uh, yeah, the topic of discussion today is the COVID-19. We, but, think- uh, first of all... We are going to talk a little bit, debrief on a big event that just happened. Yeah, and I think that's the best way even for us to talk about the COVID-19 is just to talk about the fact that we found ourselves right in the middle of that hurricane Yes, with regards to the Apologetics Canada conference that we've put on for yeah. the last 10 years. And it's it's interesting that each year when we put on the conference, the big question mark for us that I get concerned about is what's the weather going to be like? Because, you know, I'd hate for some <laughs> some snowstorm. It was stepped up a few. Like, yeah, so, right. right? <laughs> ne- never did I think, you know, that there would be this virus yeah. that uh, would become a pandemic and wreak absolute havoc on the world. Yeah. So it was interesting for us as everything's just beginning to develop. As everyone knows it started in China and we're watching that develop and we're not thinking too much of it and thinking, oh man, mm-hmm. you know, our hearts went out for the Chinese, but we never thought this is something that was just going to sweep yeah. the world as quickly as it did. So our conference happened on March 6th and 7th. So not too long ago. Yeah. Right. And, you know, full disclosure, incredibly stressful time for us leading up to the conference. And in particular, when things got really severe here on the the West Coast was when in Washington, a couple people in a nursing home died. And that's what really, from my observation, sparked the alarm bells for people and things started to become much more concerned. It spooked a lot of people, didn't it? And some attendees from the U.S., they were even asking if the borders were open. I mean, that's how spooked they were. Yeah, we were getting phone calls Particularly from our U.S., they were the ones that were spooked first. So a lot of people from the U.S. that were coming to the conference calling us, asking if it's still happening, you know, asking if the borders are still open. And then our U.S. conference speakers calling us, asking, is, is this thing happening? And then, sadly, we have Sam Albury, who's in Tennessee, and a tornado rips through their city, like right through the center of town. Yeah. Uh, and his church is responding to that. So he's... He's got that going on and the COVID thing. So he ends up needing to make the difficult decision to cancel. So then we're, you know, we're, we're dealing with, okay, is the conference going to be canceled? We've, is this the only speaker that's going to cancel? You know, and then trying to roll with the punches and seeking to do an interview with Sam very quickly and getting that edited and seeing whether or not that would play for the conference. And, and it did, and we played it, and people absolutely loved it. In fact, the content was fantastic. And we're so thankful for Sam being willing and flexible in these challenging times. And so, you know, leading to the conference, things just were incredibly stressful. As everybody else, you know, what's going on in our world, you know, and what's the right decision to do in any given moment, uh, which, as we've all been seeing, is just changing day to day. And man, my heart really goes out to all the people that I know and that I'm sure everyone, you know, listeners know. Like, I tell you, my family, there's been so much going on from people getting sick people in the hospital, people being in quarantine. People and losing their jobs. People losing yeah. their jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
people being uncertain about the future with regards to their jobs and everything else. Yeah. Talk about a stressful, stressful time for all of us. Yeah. You know, it was interesting, by the way, this year, we had people that flew in for the conference from all over the place. Uh, we, we haven't heard that anyone has gotten sick because of our conference and we pray that that is not the case. And we took it serious too. Yes. The day of and the start of, and we mentioned it on as stage. The, we were following the government as they were, with what they were recommending, we were following as everyone else has been, as this thing has evolved. And, uh, you know, we had a great turnout. We had around 1300 people that came out for the conference uh, listen, one of the things that was talked a lot about at the conference that we, uh, you know, we weren't able to really talk a lot about, we were able to give a bit of a vision with regards to Apologetics Canada for those wondering, okay, what's up next for us? I had a lot of people come to me and say, hey, Andy, I heard that this is the last Apologetics Canada conference. And, and it was like, well, yes and no. Yes, in the sense that we are going to start shifting gears as an organization in the way that we do conferences. So we are going to start pulling back from doing these big, you know, two-day conferences. And our desire is to start doing more one-day events and to be doing those across Canada. Because one of the things that we're finding is that when we do, say, a big conference, it's requiring people to fly in or drive in. And it's making it difficult for people to be able to attend. We're also having issues with just space. Each year we've sold out the conference and that's been its own challenge for us. Well, how do we engage more people? And so one of the desires that we're wanting to do is just scale back the conference from a two-day event to go to a one-day event that we can replicate elsewhere. And just to give you one example of a challenge that we face is, for example, in Vancouver, the vast majority of the people that we encounter in Vancouver do not own cars. The conference that we do is out in the valley, so it's about 45 minutes, hour and away. Those people really can't attend the conference because of that. And so we're realizing, well, if you want to reach people in Vancouver, you need to do the conference in Vancouver. Yeah. But you know, the amount of effort, the amount of money and work that goes into putting on a two-day conference is really quite staggering takes over 100 volunteers, and it takes man hours throughout the year, as you guys are well aware, to put these sorts of events together. All too aware. (laughs) (laughs) So these, just to clarify, these one-day conferences are going to be more frequent. Is that the idea? More frequent and across the country. And across the country. You know, because, I mean, let me just clarify. This doesn't mean that we won't potentially in the future hold another big Apologize Canada conference. You know, maybe we will. I don't want to, you know, be definitive, oh, we're never doing that again. But just to clarify, listen, the direction that we're going is to continue to do events, but to scale them back in such a way that we can replicate these across the country. I think a good example of that might be from a couple of years ago when we had that dialogue between Andy Bannister and Ian Bushfield on the Foundation for Human Rights. We partnered with Westside Church in Vancouver, and we went right downtown to have that dialogue and it was a one one day one evening event it was well attended uh, there was a yeah, lot of we had 800 people out at, at that event oh yeah and and the kind of impact that we were able to have there right a lot of people came out that were both christian and non-christian and you know just kind of looking at that going okay how much work did it take to put that together to have that kind of impact versus how much work and how many man hours 
uh, does it take to do a two-day conference like we've been doing, right? I mean, it's just no competition. But yet we want to continue to resource the church. And so this is our way of doing that. So I, we just share that so you have an idea of where we're going in the future. Pray for us. Listen, if you're a church across Canada, if you're a church leader and you know that your church would be interested in partnering with us, by all means, email us at info at apologeticscanada.com. Let us know. We would love to work with you as we move forward in this new model uh, in the years to come. And know that there's already somebody in the Edmonton area for you. Yeah. Steve Kim. <laughs> Steve Kim. <laughs> awesome. Before we continue, a message from Andy. Hi, listeners. This is Andy Steiger. I just wanted to remind you that I have a new children's book out that I co-authored with Rachel McKenzie called What Am I Worth? You can pick it up at Amazon or ApologeticsCanada.com. As well, I have a new book coming out in September with Zondervan. The title is Reclaimed, How Jesus Humanizes in a Dehumanized World. As you know, we are living in a challenging time, but I believe with great opportunities for sharing the gospel. This book uniquely uses our humanity to discuss the gospel and what a life of flourishing in Christ looks like that I believe is desperately needed in our world. If you would like to learn more about this resource and help us get the word out, please consider becoming a part of our book launch team and help us get this resource into people's hands. Those that participate will get an early edition of the book and have the opportunity to learn and interact with me on its content. If you would like to participate, let us know by emailing info at apologeticscanada.com. And now, back to the podcast. Okay. That was great. Let's uh, move on and talk a little bit about COVID. So this has gotten a lot of people very scared, fearful throughout the countries now, across the world now. Mm. And so, you know, how do we address that today as Christians? Because it seems to be developing daily. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a number of things that we could talk about. I want to talk a little bit about the impact that it's having if you're a news junkie, you are probably aware that this virus is said to have started really or first identified in Wuhan in central China. And because of, you know, it's we're living in the age of air travel and everything, and it, it's spreading everywhere, right? And so now it's coming to the point where schools are being canceled. I have my kids, as I'm recording this, my kids are staying home. Uh, from because school and daycares they're all closed. And well, here in Canada, the most recent announcement is that schools are closed indefinitely. So basically, we've just kind of yeah. parents been put on notice that the government will let let you know when they're going to start schools up again. Yeah, and that's putting a lot of financial pressure on people too, because now parents are kind of stuck, right? They have to stay home, take care of the kids. They're unable to go to work. Even the works, a lot of the the private businesses are closing down, uh, shutting doors because they're afraid uh, to spread the COVID-19 virus and things like that. In fact, a few weeks ago, when this thing was going really hard in South Korea, where I'm from, I called my aunt and my cousin. I'm from the city of Daegu, which is hit the hardest. Most of the COVID-19 cases that are coming from South Korea, they're, they're happening in the city of Daegu. So I called my family there and they were saying, yep, nobody is leaving their home. Uh, some of them are being checked into these kind of live-in clinics where they can be in quarantine and be taken care of. 
the government shut down certain neighborhoods that are really bad. My aunt, who's a dentist, said, "Yeah, I'm not going to work as I have no patience, and I don't want to be digging through people's mouths, right? When this virus is going around, and so, um, and her husband is a physician, and thankfully, the role that he was playing was kind of it, it allowed him some kind of a certain measure of social distancing, and so he was fortunate enough. But all the medical staff are on high alert, and um, there was a real." Much more than just the physical impact of the virus, there was a there was very much a social impact where people can't touch each other. They they gotta stay away from others. There people are staying home, so on and so forth. That's something that we're experiencing here too. I mean, my son has braces, and we just heard that the dentists and the orthodontists are, are shutting down right now. And now, thankfully, he's going to be seen because he just had some surgery done on his mouth, and so mm. they they're going to be looking at that, but. That's what we, you know, we're getting to as well. Now, one thing that I think is interesting about all this and that's really challenging in the midst of what's happening is most people I've talked to aren't even as fearful of this virus as they are all the social impacts that are taking place, particularly with what's happened to the stock market. The stock market has been hit very hard and people are watching their retirement money evaporate. And so that adds to the anxiety and the fear. And I think one of the lessons that we're really taking away from this is here everything was fine just a few months ago, and the world has really been brought to its knees quite quickly from a very tiny virus. Yeah. And it's one of those reminders of just how vulnerable we are. And when I think of all that's happening in the world today, one of the things that I think is interesting about these moments in history is it's, it's, it's these moments that can really help you to understand the Bible in a way that I find, especially as I've talked on different issues over the years, that people have a difficult time grasping when they're reading the Bible. And that is that when we're living in a world in which you can get food and you've got a steady job and the stock market's fine and everything's going okay, and you then open up your Bible and you're reading about these churches under incredible persecution and under incredible hardship, and they are struggling to find hope in the midst of it all, it can be very difficult to relate. But in these moments, when everything isn't going great, and you've been brought to your news realizing how vulnerable you are, and you're experiencing the challenges of this life, and you come to the Word, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I get it. And just to give you just a quick example, I mean, just you just flip open your Bible and you begin to read First Peter, and immediately you start to identify, right? It's First Peter chapter one verse three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us an, a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is already to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. We forget that as this letter was being written, the church was under incredible hardship. Now, it's also interesting that it was during these times of incredible hardship that the church was this beacon of hope to the nations. That it was at these times that the church showed what it looked like to care for one another. And by the way, I think this is really an interesting point on, on what's happening with COVID, is in the news, there's been different things that have popped up. 
And one of those is, I don't know if you've heard of this thing in Canada that's been taking place called caremongering. Oh, yeah. You can Google that and see some articles on this. But basically what we've been seeing is Facebook groups that have been popping up that are seeking to care and help for the most vulnerable in our society. Those that are sick, the elderly, things like that. In fact, just the other day, I was invited to a Facebook group that was started by somebody in our community uh, in the Parkland area here outside of Edmonton wanting to help those that are vulnerable like the elderly and whatnot. And I know you know, some in my family have sent out messages to their neighbors saying, hey, if you need to get something from the grocery store or something like that, if you're in need of these kinds of supplies and you're, you are not able to leave your home, you know, give us a call. Here's our number and we'll come and help you. And we're seeing more and more of the, these kinds of things that are taking place. This is not an isolated incident because if you go back in history, there's a number of pandemics that have happened over time. Yeah. And the response by the Christians is... Uh, One of looking out not just for yourself, but for other people, your neighbor. How, exactly. Yeah, yeah, how can I love and care for people through these difficult times? And so, even for us as a church, you know, we had a staff meeting on Tuesday, and that was the big question that we were talking about. Okay, what are some things that we can do as the church during this time to be a beacon of hope? As Peter's talking about here, we should be a people of hope. Our hope is in is in Christ. Yet, even in the midst of these these sufferings and these trials, we can we can do something in the midst of this. And so we've thought about things like simple things at times. You know, just calling up people, for example. You know, calling up those that you know that are elderly, those that you know who perhaps aren't feeling well or maybe are who are isolated, and talking with them. Being that beacon of hope in that difficult time, maybe they need somebody to go get groceries for them or, or whatever that might be. How how can we be a caremonger, if you will? So, by the way, I don't love that word. <laughs> uh, they're, they're playing off of the word scaremonger, obviously, and they're saying, well, you know, well, let's do the opposite. Let's don't try to scare people. Let's try to care for people. And so... How can we do that as the church? I think that's a, this is an important opportunity for us to think about that. How can I be a beacon of hope in the midst of this? I think we have such an uncertain time right now, you know, with, with what's going on. And the fact that this is hitting so hard, it's almost like a tsunami effect that's happening right now. There is a number of ways we can do practically help this situation. There's words out there like flatten the curve and social distancing. What do you think of those? Yeah, I think the key idea in flattening the curve is that because this virus is highly contagious, I mean, it's supposed to be deadlier than the seasonal flu, but even then, the fatality rate is actually quite low. But what is concerning is that because it's so contagious, so many people are going to be affected so quickly so that there are going to be so many people who will need care and so that the healthcare system will be front-loaded and overloaded. And when that happens, there are people who would have otherwise lived if they had received medical care who are not going to be able to get medical care and things could happen to them and the fatality rate could go up. And so flatten the curve basically is the idea that through social distancing and you staying home and those kinds of things, even though you might not be able to stop the spread of the virus, you can slow it down so that you can stretch out the, the affected people over the course of a longer period of time so that we don't go over what the healthcare system is capable of handling. 
And that's why people are being asked to stay home, not go to mass gatherings. And we are also seeing a lot of churches responding by moving their church services to online instead of gathering in a physical building and so on and so forth. I mean, they're basically saying that it, it lessens it by 50% if people do this, you know, and, and contribute in this way. So, I mean, there's other things about washing your hands, right? And not traveling, not going to another country, that kind of stuff. So all that helps in the long run. Yeah, and I think this is a very tangible way that we can care for one another. So those of us who are younger and healthier, we're like, you know, we might have that kind of bravado where, hey, I don't need to worry about this virus. And the reality might be that you don't need to worry about the virus, but there are other people in your life that do. And so this is one of those ways that we then are caring for our neighbor. We're caring for our friends and family. And so for us as a church, that was the driving force behind us closing our our services is, listen, we want to care for people. And one of the ways that we care for people is flattening the curve by this social distancing, which means then that we're going to take a real financial hit is going to be challenging for not just churches, but for all sorts of organizations and companies uh, that need people coming. You know, I think about I have some tickets to a concert, for example, and where this where this concert's going to be held, they're saying this is really hard on them right now. Mm-hmm. Like they're not even sure what they're going to do with regards to all this. Right. And I get it. And another conference that I was supposed to go to, there, I just got an email from them saying, "Hey, would you consider donating your, you know, not asking for a refund for this thing?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, I get it." We're all going to be taking a financial hit on this because they're like, listen, we don't know how we're going to recover from this. And I totally get it. Even just today uh, in our recording, I got news yesterday that my my hour of hockey that I play on Wednesdays is still going to go. Well, I had to make the decision whether I was going to go or not, right? Mm -hmm. It it pains me. It pains me a lot (laughs) (laughs) that I've decided that I would not participate, even though they're saying you guys can come and still skate. So that's not financial, but that's joy to my heart. Right, right. (laughs) And on a related note, in sort of talking with this kind of bravado, we, you know, we got to be really careful the kinds of words that we use because I've heard a lot of people say, oh, it only affects the elderly in a serious way. It only affects people already with, you know, some kind of compromised immune system, that sort of thing. Well, for some people, that only is their everything. My wife's grandparents, both sets are living in Calgary, and guess what? They are uh, well advanced in their years, and some of them have just undergone some serious surgeries and all other kinds of things. They're highly vulnerable. Uh, your only is our everything, right? They are going to be the ones that are effective. And I have other people within our family who are very vulnerable. And I think of guys like Josh, Josh Fast from Victoria. I remember we saw him at the conference. He came to visit. He has a son who, who's who got this very serious condition. And when he hears, oh, it only affects people with certain conditions, like he, he is enraged and rightly so, I think. And so I think in all of this, the overall idea is let's not just think about ourselves. And I know I'll be fine. I know you'll be fine. But let's think about people that are vulnerable. Let's not just fight for ourselves. Let's fight for those that are vulnerable. And that means social distancing when it's inconvenient for you. And that means not doing certain things that we would all love to do, but you know we don't really get to do them, unfortunately. You know, as we close here, uh, 
it's an opportunity for us to be that living hope. It's also a, an opportunity for us as we're in the Word, as we're reading, is a reminder that there have been difficult times that have gone before us and that we are a people of hope and we need to be reminded of that hope and that hope is found in, in Jesus. That hope is found in what He has done for us and not in, you know, my vacation, not in my work or my salary, not in all these other things that we tend to place our trust and hope and our security in. And then when those things get ripped from us, you know, we find ourselves absolutely lost. It's in those moments that we need to remember exactly who we are, that we have been found in Him, and that that hope hasn't gone away, uh, and that we need to continue to lean on that hope. And if I would say, if anything, these are those times, like I said, where the Bible really comes alive because you can see something there that it can be very difficult for us in our modern conveniences to fully appreciate. Um, As we close, can I just read from Psalm 91? It goes like this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone." You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Um, Not that, you know, you're... If you believe in God, you're not going to be affected by COVID-19. But when you hold fast to Him, uh, this pestilence is ultimately only temporary. And I always remember what Clay Jones said. Even if this thing were to come to death for you, it's really a phase in the life of a Christian. So I, I hope in God. I hope in what He has done through Jesus. And that's where I stand. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us, listeners. The AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada, and we'll come back next week with more things to think about. Mm-hmm.